Oh, what, what else is going on here tonight? What uh, what was I gonna say? Hey guys, welcome to Run the Light. I'm your host Jeremy Plum, and I'm David Kalsgard. Uh, this week we did a uh, something a little special, something a little different. Uh, Promised you guys last episode would have something special, and here it is. Yeah, we we didn't talk to uh, anybody about a specific comedy special. Instead, what we did is we brought back our uh, our good friend, friend of the show, and friend in real life, uh, Cameron Logsdon, to talk about the joke writing process. Mm-hmm. And and we talk about every little part about the joke writing process: inspiration yes. to writing, rewriting, performing. It's a it's a little. There, there are some things that went unsaid in this. It's This is more just kind of a general overview. We didn't get into mm-hmm. anything really, really specific. That being said, it's very long and covers a lot of things. Yeah, I hope we hope you find this information helpful if you're a new comic who's still trying to figure out their joke writing process, a new uh, comic who's still trying to figure out, you know, performing. I'm five years in. I learned stuff today. Yeah, it's... It was a it was an informative conversation. It's it's probably one of our least funny episodes, though. I will warn you about that. It's probably one of our least funny episodes. In terms of jokes per minutes, yes. Um, laugh per minutes, jokes per minutes, yes. This is probably not uh, our funniest. But in terms, of, if you are here because you want to learn about comedy uh, and you're as passionate about joke writing as we are, then this will be a fun one. And yeah. I think you guys are gonna have a fun time. David, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at David underscore Cowsguard on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at DavidCowsguard.com. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. I actually have a couple of dates up there for just the end of the year, assuming that things stay open until November. So we'll oh, see. Wahoo. Yeah. <laughs> how, where can people find you, Jeremy? Uh, Plum Jeremy on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and... Uh, if you want to find the podcast and tell us what you thought, heck, uh, you can message us and we will answer your questions. Um, maybe we might even do another Q&A. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, uh, at Running the Light. And if you want extra content and uh, our episodes early, come be a patron. Um, yep. You know, tiers are just as low as $3 and you get extra content. Um, so please, please, um, if you would like to, it's patreon.com forward slash running the light. With that, enjoy the show, you guys. Yeah, shocker bra. Stay dope, ski slopes. I'm just glad that they're, uh, they're like expanding, you know what I mean? They're like doing everything now, you know, I mean, they've got decades and decades and decades of comics to mine and i'm yeah. gonna be perfectly honest with you i all i want in the world is to play a superhero because it's the only way that i'll i'll ever like be actually in shape like it's the only <laughs> way i'll like i'll like yeah. get ripped and feel handsome the only way i would ever do it is the motivation of like starring in a comic book movie because other, other than that like i have no other than I'm like, I mean, what's the point? It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just a human. There's no wrong way to have a body. Unless Marvel's like, you want $10 million? I'm like, there's only one way to have a body. <laughs> unless, yeah. unless, like, they say, hey, do you want to be Matter Eater Lad, Jeremy? And I go, fuck yeah. And, like, bulk up. But, like, not, like, not like uh-huh. muscles. You're going to have to I, send a picture of that one. I don't 
<laughs> we're, we're, we're just make it that they're gonna have to change that character's name because nobody is gonna be able to follow along with it in mainstream. He, so they're they're gonna need to change his name to Fat Man. That's there is the one. There's already thing. a Fat Man. There's already uh, a Fat Man. Well, then there's gonna be a lot of struggle with the licensing over that name. Then <laughs> he's from um the God. What is he? He's actually from uh the League of Superheroes. Like that uh. No, uh, yeah, Legion of Superheroes. Anyways, welcome to Running a Light, a comic, uh, comic book podcast, secretly hiding as a comedy podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, fuck, let me retake that. Um, welcome to Running a Light, a comics podcast, hiding under a comics podcast. And <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, God, I hate you. <laughs> um, I felt really proud of that. Um, you should. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, today is going to be a little different. Um, we, of course, I mean, not different in the terms of who's on the show. It's Jeremy, David, and Cameron Loxton. Hi, guys. Boom. Boom. Um, I think you're our first to be three times in. That's not like a host. Wait, am I? Is this my third time? Fuck, is it your third time? It might be. I don't know. It might be your fourth. Who knows? We, we, we <laughs> I want a jacket. A I want a cool jacket. No, it's only SNL. five times. Five time members SNL, get a jacket. They get the five timers jacket. Yep, I'm be same here next week. <laughs> same with this podcast. You will get. We will send you a nice Xerox picture of a jacket that you can. I'll take it. Now wear it. I'll wear only it. You can still hang it in a closet. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. kinda. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, why is this different? So this is different. Yes. Um. So essentially, instead of doing like, "Hey, what inspired you?" And we talk. I don't know why I'm saying that in a condescending way. I really like this podcast. Yeah, I know you're shitting on the whole premise of the show that we work so hard on. <laughs> that I worked so hard on. You're right. Um, I don't know where you got we from. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker! I woke up at 10 a.m. today. Motherfucker! You were this late, and I was work. the only one on time. Anyways, um, you were I, you were you were only on time because you were less late. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, this one, I, I was inspired by talking to some comic friends uh, and thinking about writing and how there isn't a... We're, we're talking about how we write jokes because there isn't... While there is so many different ways to write jokes, I think that's the most daunting thing for a new comic, especially like super new comics. That must That is a frightening thing that even me, I still get nervous and hung up about. And there's not a lot of resources uh, for that which to me well, screams open market. There's, that's not entirely true. Shut and up. we'll see if you want to cut this entire part, part out, but there's a, there's a fantastic podcast called hot breath run by Joel Byers, a comedian out of uh, Atlanta. That is all about like joke writing tips and comedy career advice and things of that nature. Um, no, it I'm not is. gonna cut that. Yeah, no. it's it, okay. Good because it's a. Uh, we're just gonna scratch the surface. Exactly. Uh, his podcast goes very. It goes a lot deeper. In fact, he'll have like ten minute writing, like group writing. His podcast his is literally group. so much better than this piece of shit <laughs> that we've been I, doing for so long. I don't know why. Okay, you said we've been doing so bed. long. It's like a year and two months. <laughs> 
Okay, looks like we're going to have to cut all of Cameron's stuff out today. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, listen, I need you all to know something. The least, the, the least amount of editing I have to do after last week, better. Wait, who was the guest last week? Uh, it was Preston, but that, that's not why we had to edit. Um, my <laughs> audio file got corrupted and I lost half the interview. Yeah, oh. and he he lost the good half of the interview too. Did he you? Lost, you, like, didn't, the best you didn't stuff. just try to. You didn't just try to like re like like edit in your takes. So because that the, would, I think that's hilarious. I don't know if that's what podcasters do, but that's funny. This <laughs> is a premise. The what got lost was the questions, and David and uh, David and Preston were the answers. Like, oh, there's no fucking way I can do this. Oh. I'm not redoing this. I don't know. Um, I would I would have liked to see you try to like what is that called when people have to go in and re-record ADR. our ADR. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see you ADR no. the podcast. No. That'd be so fun. I just pick I picture every I picture everything everything in life like a movie. But I picture <laughs> I picture like in movies, you know, like when you have to do like a weird cut to like something that was completely unfilmed. You know, like, at the uh, same time it doesn't match at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, like uh, radioactive man Fallout Boy. Oh my God! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the- <laughs> on the Simpsons. That's amazing. Through the magic of editing, modern editing, we can we can do the whole movie without him. <laughs> You're fired, and rightly so. And with good cause. <laughs> Anyways, um, there isn't a lot. Okay, not as much as like like books and whatnot. Like a lot. There's a lot of comedy books. There's a lot of comedy. Like stuff out there, and not a ton of them are about writing jokes. There is, of course, the podcast that David mentioned, but there's not a lot, and I, I want to help. Most um, of them, most of them focus favorite... around uh, like comedy career advancement. Like right. not my, joke my favorite thing about the comedy career advancement books and the comedy writing books is like Chris Rock is never like, "Here's how you get famous, motherfuckers." You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, never like Chris Rock's book. It's always like, you know, Steve McMichaelson was a right. nationally touring comic from 1984 to 1985 and Actually, he's written this world-renowned book <laughs> yeah, he's in the best clubs in the midwest um I'm gonna do one nah, in the thing. 80s he's working florida man he's working florida full-time in the 80s <laughs> Let me grab actually a book because Chris Rock is actually what we're we'll referencing on this podcast, uh, Cameron, because right. a good uh, reference was his interview on uh, with Judd Apatow for Sick in the Head. That that's was a, probably that's a, that's, a, that's a podcast. No, that's a book. It's a book actually, and for people who oh, want to know, okay. uh, I reference it. In fact, actually, I don't even need to because I, I I memorized it. I wrote it down. And I I kind of memorized it. It is um, Judd Apatow. He transcribed it like an old monk. To make sure that he memorized the words. Well, I, I took down notes in my joke in my notebook, which I believe is also important uh, step, which we'll actually get to in a minute. But uh, um, that and uh, Albert Brooks, I think, were the ones that really inspired me on this episode to really want to talk about joke writing because it was the closest to thinking about uh, joke writing in a minute during all of this. Um, but, uh, anyways, this is going to be a bit different than our normal stuff because it's going to have a structure. And by kind of have a structure, I mean barely have a structure. Um, Is it like a game show? 
not more like an interview more like oh, us okay. talking about like more like yeah more like sorry, a sorry, back, back to your structure less excited but go back to your structure <laughs> okay. what are we doing here what, what? every everybody has like i was gonna do more in depth like hey we're gonna talk about this part this part this yeah. part but i realized we all do jokes differently we all write jokes differently and everything comes from different places so i thought i'd group into three kind of uh like segments and then we can just go from there uh, okay inspiration mm-hmm. writing like actually writing the joke down okay and uh performing slash rewriting and then uh finally quote unquote done question mark wow that is that's more organization to the process than i think i have all together i think we're done, <laughs> I think we're done <laughs> well i want to talk about because i've had people like write jokes every day and sometimes we we write smart we write harder and sometimes they're like for a younger comic maybe the idea of just inspiration can be difficult like where do we get our jokes from that is that a question or just something you're yeah. saying about young people that is that is a question that I'm asking all of us. Where do we get jokes from? Where do we get jokes from? And I think Cameron, you said it best like uh, two nights ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just steal everything from Reddit. Right. <laughs> right. Um, uh, um, I used to do that, but then Daniel Tosh said that that was taken. So some of I, those people are my favorite comedians you guys you're really you're really taking the wind out of my sails here you're the, some of your favorite comedians are people that steal stuff from reddit yeah anybody who takes something right off the front page of reddit them's my boys i will steal more comedy from reddit as soon as i figure out how to get into it <laughs> yeah 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 you know password wait they they ask for a password you create an account, email password. That's how you get it. So it's like a website, is what you're saying. Cameron, I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> and that's my process. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck you guys. No, it's an actual answer. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the like getting an inspiration for a joke, it's... I mean, it's hard to say where any particular one... Most of mine just come when I'm sitting down somewhere and I'm not really focusing on whatever I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm just like if I'm playing a video game or if I'm driving and I just have a thought about something that, you know, it's a story that happened a long time ago. It's uh the thought about the state of the world or whatever it's i don't know the inspiration for a joke is always hard to like pin down but all i know is that there will be times when like if i find something that i'm realizing i'm having a lot of thoughts about i'll be like you know let's let's bookmark this in the brain yeah and set this aside to see if they that maybe I could write something from it. The other big one for me that happens is like I'll be in conversation with somebody and I'll say something, maybe it gets a laugh, maybe it doesn't. And I'm not trying to like run bits on people, but I just say something, I realize, you know, maybe that could work in a joke somewhere and 
I think like you both have seen me do it in real life. I will like zone out yeah. for like oh, four or five that's, seconds. That's my favorite part about hanging out with comedians is that like we're all kind of I feel like we're all kind of constantly writing, especially when like when we're we're like around people and you're like trying to joke and stuff. And if you have something to hit, like the best thing to watch, and I do it I do it all the time. The best thing to watch is like if somebody's sitting in a circle and uh of comics and they're and they're joking around and they say something that gets a really big laugh you know Mm -hmm. uh then they just let the laugh happen and then they slowly take out their phone (laughs) and then write down oh like you know it's funny when dads fall on their butts you know or like uh write this you know what i mean they they make a note to themselves that they that's always funny so i feel like i do that a lot Mm -hmm. in my life like I don't know that I'm ever trying to sit down and like come up with stuff and come and like, you know, be inspired. I find that part, I find that part hard. Like I can't sit for an hour and like write, write, like write, like come up with new premises. But mm-hmm. like, David, you've seen me when I go for walks, I talk to myself or if I'm playing a game, I talk to myself. We've all uh, seen you. They reported on that Omaha scanner page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they uh, always talk about the crazy dude looking like mm-hmm. he's about to walk into traffic on that. Seriously, man, you need to pay attention. I've mm-hmm. never gotten hit. Like, <laughs> like I, I think you guys like if it if it looks like I'm walking into traffic, that's different than walking into traffic. Like, there's a difference. One's fatal. I'm I'm just saying you're getting close to that curb and I know what your athletic ability is and you're just one misstep away from being a news story. That's all I'm saying. Fair. So if we can go back to talking about me. Um, <laughs> my writing. <clears throat> no, but I'm with you guys. Like sometimes it just comes up in conversation. I agree, Jeremy, though. I do find it hard. Like, I think that if I was to sit down, like, you know, when you talk about comedy writing books or podcasts or even just like different Facebook groups or or on online when you have people talking about, all right, here's some things you can do to get better at comedian, you know, it's like there are writing prompts, right? There are a lot of writing prompts and stuff that's like, okay, think about something from your childhood and food. And it's like, okay, what can I think about childhood and food? Or think about something you know, what's a, what's a hot topic issue that you want to, well, what about sports? Can I write about sports? And mm-hmm. the truth is, is that like, I've tried to do that. And if I sit down for like an hour and I'm like grappling with topics, like I can probably do it. <clears throat> but I would tell you that in all the years that I've done comedy, every time I kind of try to sit down with an idea and like force a topic, it usually, it never, it's never stays in the act. Like it's always yeah. gone. Yeah. It always gets cut because yeah. I don't, I don't care about it as much. So I find that like when exactly. I'm writing and you guys know, I, like, especially during quarantine, I haven't written much, much up at all, but I've been writing a lot of sketches, you know, yeah. I write a lot of sketches and I put out a lot of dumb videos. And the truth is, is that like, if I have an idea and I can't sleep because I have to like wake up and just write it, that's when I know it's good. And that's something yeah. I'm going to hang on to. That's yeah. usually, And that happens with stand-up. That happens with sketches. That happens with dumb videos I'll just put on Instagram or whatever. Like, it, and it's usually... And so I think that if you're... I think when I was a, when I was newer, and I don't consider myself not new now, but when I was newer, I think I would be like, what can I write about? And sit and you sit there and you tap your temple with your pencil and you think 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 think, Mm -hmm. you know 
Um, but if you just kind of chill out and just and and there are things you could be doing. It's not like you should just not spend any time thinking about comedy. There are other things you could do. But if you just chill out and let an idea come to you, if it's an idea you can't walk away from, write that always. Yeah. And that I've I've tried the prompts as well. Like I remember I think it was last year at some point, you and I were both in like a writer's block. So we started giving each other yeah. prompts. I remember and that. I don't like I don't remember like I it just sitting down with the prompt and trying to write about it. Like you said, it doesn't like that's not what I'm inspired to talk about. That's not what I want to talk mm-hmm. about. So I have a hard time you know doing that. I think out of like five prompts you gave me, I wrote one joke that I still do, but even then I don't always do it right i I do it sometimes and that's not because of of the prompt was bad it's just because like i just you weren't you weren't moved by it that's the thing right like i i felt a little like the like the inspiration wasn't an organic inspiration exactly i used to try and read the newspaper like i'd pick up like the washington post oh fuck uh the washington post or something oh Uh, like an actual physical copy copy are you talking like the online no, physical copy yeah he would what pick it up off of his copy? body when he was sleeping because it was his blanket <laughs> there's a lot more in the washington post they really like especially sunday edition like it's just littered with shit so it's a good blanket. i mean where are you getting a physical copy of the washington post omaha a coffee shop and oh. my uh, grocery store walmart's oh. Oh, okay. Wow. Shameless Wolner's plug. That's all this podcast <laughs> is. That's all this podcast has ever been. Uh, okay. Honestly, shameless honestly, local Omaha plugs. You guys should, yeah. If this Wolner, actually... this Omaha backs me up and says, hey, well, if Wolner says, hey, we'll give you even just 10% off groceries. Yeah, fuck it. 10% yeah, fuck it. off groceries. Plug Wolner's every 10% day. 10% off groceries at Wolner's will cost you regular groceries. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but it's honestly great butcher. Great butcher. Uh, it's good stuff. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Heck of a butcher. Great anyway, butcher this, this segment I, about Walner's was so, brought to you by Ragazzi's. <laughs> uh, back to talk about me I for think... a minute. Yeah, fuck both of you. I get to talk. Um, nah, that felt rude. Cameron, you were saying? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm the guest. Don't forget. <laughs> I can't I commit like any aggression. A glass of water, please. No, um... I was going to say, the the one way in which writing prompts, and Jamie, you, you remind me of this when you talk about newspaper. So, like, depending on the kind of writing I'm doing, I, I work really well from a prompt. Like, if you were to tell me, all right, you have to write a sketch about this, or if you're doing monologue jokes for news stuff. So, like, the news for me is always a right. good prompt, but it will never be a prompt that I'm going to use in stand-up. Like stand up, stand up jokes have to come from life and I have to be inspired by them. And because you know how it is, like you work on a stand up act years and years and years and, you, you know, you're trying to craft something that's evergreen news jokes. I don't have any problem being like, you know, here's your prompt this week. It's all these headlines or it's this thing about the mail or it's this thing about the census or whatever it is. And I don't have any problem making that my prompt because I feel like it's so much more disposable 
And I think that sometimes I get too precious with stand-up jokes. Like I'm like, ah, if yeah. this if this doesn't work forever, then why would I even do it? You know, mm-hmm. your and sense of video, which is great, from writing to airing. Which how long did that take? Like a week or so. Um, writing to writing to airing it. Yeah, I would say yeah, uh, a few days. Uh, yeah, just in that time, became immediately outdated. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, it did because they, it w- they changed it to the 31st, the census was due. And then like a week later, it was the 15th again. They moved it back. Mm-hmm. Things change. And I, I will argue it is this uh, this administration more than most, Yeah, I would say, changes so much that you could do it. Um, and there's that. I know for me, when it comes to inspiration, yeah, it's talking to myself and it's that thing that, fuck, it hit you. And it's like, no, this needs to be written down now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the only issue I've ever had is when that happens on a podcast because I'll be riffing with like David or Larry or you and like I say Cable guy? Like, Cable guy? Uh, Larry Larry Smith who does uh, a couple of shows for NPR Illinois Okay, so that's, uh, which, not, that's not Cable That is the opposite of Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> So um, yeah, those, those things that just hit me but when I'm on a podcast with, with, with Larry um I will forget because I'm so focused on the business shit of podcasting that I forgot what I said. And it's David going, if you don't use this joke, I'm going to take it. Hilarious. That means I have to take it. There have been some things that he's riffed on this podcast that are legitimately funnier than anything he has said into a microphone before. And I don't mean that as an insult. You have a big day with the the gun. Comedy is always an ever-evolving thing. And yeah. there's still one that I'm kind of upset that you've given up on. Wait, which one is it? Because if so, if the one if it's the one I think it is, I've not given up on it. I just don't have a stage to use it. The gods like the ex that still sees your yeah. family at Thanksgiving, kind of thing. Yeah, gods that, like that an ex that sees me uh, on holidays. Um, it's still in my set. It's just I, where am I going to use it right now? You have a whole chunk where you talk about being religious, and you can oh, throw no. it right at the start it's of that. In there. You should, you it's should in say, there, but you I just don't go to open podcast. Mics. You should say it on your podcast. I did. It's in the Larry Smith episode, I think. You should say no, it. it a, you should say it again on this podcast. So that um, way you can so, go back through and edit. When you're editing, you can be like, "Oh yeah, that's how it is." Um, basically, the joke I do is that uh, I'm not religious, but my family is. So God's like an ex-boyfriend that I that I see on holidays, something of that nature. I'll need to go back and listen to it, but I also wrote it down. It's in my joke book now. I don't think um, you need the word boyfriend in that joke. Partner. God, God is like an ex. God is like an ex. Yeah, that does. And that's the thing. That's actually the part we go into writing in a minute. But like, yeah, something that just hits you, that's what I focus on. Or like... Uh, oh, no. The, the, the exact phrasing that you use on the episode, I just remembered it. God is like an ex who still talks to my mom. Yes, that's, God's like an ex that still talks to my mom. was, and it fucking killed me. Yeah. Um, God Sorry, like Cameron, you gotta sit through this. Yeah, no, that's, that's that fine. Let's it. talk about it on this. Let's do it on next episode. In fact, <laughs> I think I'm at number three, so if we just do this on three more episodes, I'll definitely have my five-timer Xerox. And we'll be- <laughs> hey, side note, there is one product I want to get for people that are on the show, like for like you for like david me and like super fan spencer that writes notes on this um it is a baseball cap with our logo on it that is it like i go to tops and i like get like three of them four of them and i go this is it <laughs> that is 
That is my five timers jacket. It is a baseball cap and tops. Okay. What is what is tops? It is a shitty hat. Oh wait, that's in Nebraska. That was only in Portland. Um, like whatever the hat place is in Omaha, where you just give them a picture and they embroider it on a hat. There's a couple oh, of custom lids. places that can lids, do that. Lids, yeah, lids. Yeah. Tops is the baseball cards. Um, lids is a little limited in their ability, so. But if you want a nice, good, why are we talking about this? Moving on. Anyways, um, um but like that's the stuff. Like something that hits me in my chest, and like where do I? The older you get when it comes to comedy, your your maybe your eye kind of opens to things that can be inspirational. Um, one improv thing that maybe some people can use for a prompt is uh, you, word association, but the third thing that you associate with that word is often based off like a family memory or a personal memory and then exploring with that. But re- really, it's just looking at the weird uh, idiosyncratic moments of life and like the weird, I call them like the weird hiccups of life. They go, that's fucking weird. That's funny. That's weird. And then those are the things that you kind of draw into into like the weird moments and there are other times when you're like looking for like honestly i found more that things just kind of come more naturally the more i don't force it so and that's just for me so i'm not sure how everybody else is going to operate and how everybody else is going to react um but for me if i'm just sitting back and something comes to me i can usually fit that better and write better with that. The one thing that gets in my way a couple of times when I do actually have an inspiration for a joke that's something that might be good is while I'm thinking about this is before I've even started writing it, but while I'm thinking about the joke, like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to go from here to here to here. And then I think to myself, where is this going to fit in my actual act? Get rid of that thought immediately. Yeah, I never, yeah. I never yeah. had that thought. I, I, I can it, absolutely see what that would be like the most unproductive thing. I've had a couple of so friends reach out. I've had a couple of comic friends say, "Like, I want to be like this type of comic. Just throw that away. Throw this idea of what you want to be as a comic. Throw the idea of where, like, where it fits in your set, and just let the funny hit you. If why it makes would you? you why, laugh, why throw away the kind of comic? The the kind of so, comic you want to be. Maybe throwaway is the wrong word, but I remember. No, no, no. I, I just don't. I, I mean, like, why would, why would you tell somebody not to want to be? Sometimes, sometimes you get so lost in what you want your voice to be that you realize that the voice comes naturally through you and your experiences, and like, I see. Yeah, you, you lose yourself focusing on what you, what path you want to forge, and sometimes your voice and your creativity is way different than that and better. And I mean, just as far as coming to like forging a comedy path goes, and this is a different topic that we can go into deeper, like have an idea of what you want to do, Mm -hmm. but don't be so dead set and fixed on that, that you become completely inflexible because maybe you want to come out and be a storyteller type of comedian, but your stories aren't great. And then so to try to improve your stories, you start writing one-liners and it turns out you're a fantastic one-liner comedian. Yeah. And so you just become a one. Don't, don't exclude any options because you're so dead set on trying to be this type of comedian. I don't know if y'all watched Bojack Horseman, the 
the show on Netflix. That's the Sad Horse Show, right? It's a Sad Horse Show, but it's one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. It's just an incredible TV show, and, and there's so many different parts of it that I think are really great. And every character, every character, despite being animated, every character is real three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this one character and her name's Diane and she's a uh, she's like a she's a writer, right? She starts out as kind of a journalist and or actually she starts out as a guy a, a person who's ghostwriting. She's doing ghostwriting. And then she kind of starts doing some journalism stuff. And then she starts doing some puff piece stuff. And then finally she's like I'm going to write a book for myself and she's like I want to write this like really like um introspective novel type thing, right? I want it to be deep and cool and hard hitting and like all the stuff that I like to read. And like they have this great kind of uh, visual metaphor for the writing process. And she starts, she wants to write this book that she sets out to write. And there's like this animation that pops up in her thought bubble. And it's real sketchy. Like it's like stick figurey, and she's trying to make the character talk and it really doesn't come out very well. And it's like real hard for her to kind of get these words out on paper. She's really stuck. But then she's at a mall and she overhears these teenagers talking. And then she starts kind of imagining this teenager uh, like detective, this like young detective type girl who like solves crimes at the mall. And that idea in her thought bubble comes to her fully fleshed out and formed. It's fully animated. It's detailed. It's full of color. It's full of life. And I can't think of a better metaphor than when you're trying yeah. to force something because it's what you wanted it to be, as opposed to the thing that just flows so naturally and, mm-hmm. and and just and that's the thing about you know when you talk about writing from inspiration like I go, I will sit there I'll be like I need to have more jokes about relationship stuff like I need more you know I need more men are like this and women be shopping because that you know I need to write more stuff like that but I but I I cannot bring myself to do it unless it unless it comes organically but then I'll write some goofy off the wall bit about X Y Z that that I'm like, oh, that's so much smoother for me, or it was so much more inspired. And I wasn't like chugging along, trying to chunk out yeah. the words here. Like mm-hmm. it was fully realized. I knew what I wanted to say and it could probably mm-hmm. be punched up and needs reviewed and whatever. But, but when those ideas flow freely, that's when you have a bit. And the more of those things that you find that have flown, that have flowed out of you, by the time you have a collection of jokes that just came so easily um, that's when you figure out, okay, this is what I sound like. This is what I am. And exactly. I, I think that's what a lot of people talk about when they talk about finding your voice. And we kind of touched on this and other podcasts. Uh, I Actually, think it was like, thrown away in our last episode, but yeah. I think like Bill, I think Bill Burr said something one time. It's like everybody has their voice already before they start stand up. Because if you start late enough in life anyway, mm-hmm. you know who you are as a person. Yeah, you're a person. And then you go on stage and you're, you're trying to be a comedian. And it's not till you get back to that point where you're just the person again that mm-hmm. you really start finding who you are. It and takes what a while. You're, and, and that's the – because that's the daunting thing about it. Like you want to – you have to change a little bit from that person that you are to who you're going to be on stage because you are doing, you know, a performative work. You're doing stand-up you try, comedy. Yep. Uh, for instance, oh, sorry, David. But you're still trying to, like, you, you're just trying to get back to that person 
so that things are coming naturally. Like, it, yeah, if I went on stage and started talking about something that just by looking at me, clearly the audience knows that's not who I am as like a person. Like when you were running all, that, on their all, the, all, that, all those jokes about being raised in an Asian family. I know. I, they were they were such good jokes, but everybody good took bits. one look at me and Solid. just were like, Solid. I, don't think, I don't think he actually was. I don't those think he... Hot takes on Mahjong? I was ready yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. he... He look. He's. He. It's. It's actually kind of offensive. He's just playing into nothing but stereotypes. No. No. Listen, the voices. The voices were not great. <laughs> I just pictured David doing like a horrible. horrible. Oh my god. We're, we're talking. We're talking early Simpsons. Just uncomfortable voices. Oh no. Yeah. The, you, yeah. you know the guys who work in the sushi restaurant on the Simpsons. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. That's what. That's, no, we knew. We knew. Yeah. Um, um, you know, David. I remember asking. You know, because you know we're 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 buddies. Uh, yeah, so, we all are. Yeah. Like we're buddies, and and we all talk comedy all the time. And I'm just happy you admitted it publicly. Finally. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm gonna keep the bit in, but for those who know, whenever I need to edit something, I clap. So, uh, but 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 I remember maybe it wasn't even that long ago, and it's probably happened more than once. But David, I know that I've certainly asked you and been like, "Yo, like when you see me perform on stage, like do you feel like that is what it's like to know me? Like, am I?" Is it, yeah, is that, we've had yeah. this we've had I this conversation with too, each yeah. we've had this conversation with each other a couple of times mm-hmm. because it's uh it's important to know it's important to have people in your comedy writing circle that you trust so that way you know you can ask people about and that's one thing that I do enjoy about uh, your comedy cam is that it's not. It's not a forced thing. Like, I don't think there's a single bit I've seen you do that has, well, that, that's not entirely true. (laughs) There's, there's no, there's no bit I've seen you do at like an actual show. That's not an open mic Mm. that doesn't see, that seems forced. Like I'm, I'm trying, but I feel like this joke fits here, even though it's not something that I really am passionate about, but I'm still going to do it. I don't think I've ever seen you do that when it actually comes to like, you know, if you're doing a weekend out of funny bone or if you're yeah. headlining a local show, most of your stuff is organic. Like it feels like I'm getting to know you. And I feel like that's what good comedy should be. It's like, you're, you're seeing this person, you're hearing them talk, you're seeing how they act and the audience isn't dumb. They yeah. can tell when somebody's, putting on airs and if it's clearly a character that you're doing like an andrew dice clay or something like that like or the midwest rapper yeah like people don't know that andrew dice clay they don't know that that's like people don't know the cable guy was a character you know what i mean yeah but 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 i also think that that shit doesn't i think it's so hard to pull off a character and as stand up nowadays, like in the world we live in, people mm-hmm. want real. They want you to be you. There's so yeah. many people that are funny. All, all the there's so many people that are funny. The internet's full of funny people. But like one of the differences between stand up and somebody who just writes jokes, 
on Twitter all day is that like Twitter, you could just be putting on a front, but like it, when you when you see somebody in stand up, you want to see somebody be themselves. You want to see somebody be funny, and mm-hmm. and you're right. Like audiences smell it, and I feel like, you know, I feel like, uh, it would be really tough. You know, there are some really great comedians of the past that have built entire identities on a shtick, you know? But yeah. I feel yeah. like I feel like we exist and and there's probably a place for everything. There really is a place for everything. But I, I feel like, you know, it's really hard, is is very, very, very hard to like have a shtick and make so that talk, your voice. You know especially nowadays. I yeah. want to yeah. talk about yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I would argue comedy has been more uh, introspective, uh, whereas comedy in the '90s were was more like looking out. Yeah. Um, like a good example of this, if you really need to see it, and I think I did, I definitely did, is Chris Rock. Um, not like HBO 2008 special where he was in South Africa. Chris Rock is very look at men, look at women, look at these people outward. Mm-hmm. Tambourine yeah. is about him and his relationship. <laughs> And there's, came out, what, three years the, yeah. and there's still some of that outward lurking as bit, yeah, well, but there, the outward lurking always ended up, and Tambourine ended up coming back to inward thoughts and realizations he had about his own self, which is, that's the evolution of comedy, and you're right about that, like, it's definitely becoming more personal, introspective, it's mm-hmm. becoming more of a place where it's like, here are these things, and then a lot of people, in, instead of pointing out, like, hey, isn't it weird that there are three stoplights and everybody's like, I've been thinking that exact same thing. Everybody's yeah. like, hey, isn't it weird that none of us feel like we're living up to our potential and we're constantly feeling like we're failing and everybody's like, oh, I feel that exact same way. It's I think that it's, uh... kind of – it's more. It's less of an observational, more of a uh, – the oh, observations, sorry, the observations are all still, the observations are all still there, and I think Chris yeah, Rock's yeah, a yeah. great example. Chris Rock, and if you look at Chris Rock, or any comedian that has stood that test of time, and like I'm gonna jump away from comedy quick, but the metaphor still stands. Like if you look at like Chris Rock and Jay Z, for example, right? Mm-hmm. These are two people who have had thirty plus year careers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that have been in the spotlight and we've watched and seen them adapt and grow and change with the times. And they've been great that entire experience. Right. But the beauty of, of the beauty to me about uh, Chris Rock, who out full, you know, full he's, he's, he might be my favorite comedian of all time. Like I love Chris Rock, but I understand, I understand that like the Chris Rock of the nineties, the, I mean, the material isn't, doesn't hold a comedy doesn't hold up no. man comedy doesn't hold like, up no. and it and it shouldn't it shouldn't hold up it's great and you can always get more of it right but it's not always going to last so that you're right, wanna... it's like milk but but to that point like when you look at chris rock chris was talking in 2008 about things that mattered to him but the way that he did it was different like you have to read more between the lines and the people that we're watching Chris Rock in 2008. They were like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. People saw different things in those specials. And I just remember being like, this is great. Um, and I remember arguing with my friends. They'd be like, oh, all Chris Rock ever talks about is black stuff and black, 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 black. And I, and they were like, that's why I think, you know, black comedians need to say. And now, imagine, imagine some dude being right now being like, all they talk about is black stuff. Well, 
what now does the world know that's different? And what right. now, and, and in what, and so like, yeah, Chris Rock had to be like, black people are like this and white people are like this to get across the same message that I think that like today, Chris Rock can be like, here's been my experience. I got to raise my kids um, mm. as a black father. And that's diff that's difficult, but he can be more introspective, but his perspective, like his voice, his stance hasn't changed. Just his no. approach to it. That's just, to me, a great sign of somebody who is adapted. And I think if yeah. you look to a, a lot of comedians that have had 30-plus year careers, you'll see the ways that they've adapted as well. Yeah, so and some people, have to adapt, of... some people have to adapt more than others. Yeah. But like, if you go back to – hell, if you go back all the way to Chris Rock's first album, Born Suspect, that came out in 1991 when I think he was 18 years old or something – uh, first of all, a a lot of the social points that he's talking about have not changed whatsoever. Uh, from that album, mm -hmm. but also you see a con you see that consistent perspective. It's just the introspective, outrospective. Right? Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Yeah, that that's what changes about it. It's become less of a here's a just a general thing to here is what i'm experiencing that's also a kind of a general thing it's not mm -hmm. it's something that everybody goes through but here's how i experience it here's how i process it as opposed to here's just this thing there's that extra step that you see in tambourine as opposed to a lot of the other so i want to I want to touch on a couple of things that we brought up before moving on to writing. Um, so, which we'll have to move kind of quick, but um, actually performing might be the quickest one. But anyways, um, Albert Brooks uh, on in uh, Sick in the Head said that most people think an artist has to look ahead of society and writes what's going to happen when a real artist really writes in the moment of what society, in, of a group of people is. Mm -hmm. um and i believe that is one thing we touched on is you want to be this super smart writer like i know for me i wanted to be like a john oliver type and so i'd mm -hmm. read the newspaper all the time and i wanted to be smart and that now i write jokes about sandwiches fucking but my smartness comes in wordplay and that's where i put my hat on um and chris rock uh chris rock brings up there's two types of comics and i love chris rock chris rock is one that i would want to hear read i want to read from him listen to him like just talk for days mm -hmm. because he's just mm -hmm. a damn smart comic and a damn smart person mm -hmm. um there are comics that just have one set and do it forever seinfeld's one of them mm -hmm. um but then there's you know your carlin and Pryor and rock types that just are constantly evolving mm -hmm. and for you listening who's writing your set for the first time don't even fucking worry about it don't they're all wet. They're you, all need, wet. you need to have a first iteration before you can have a second, third, or fourth iteration. Yeah. You just, just at this point, get the inspiration for your jokes. However, you yeah. find them, they they're gonna come from everywhere. And Write the, those. The better you are at like kind of like opening your mind to like seeing the world, like being kind of present, is when things will start coming to you, and you go, "That's funny." Moving on, and. Uh, We've already kind of touched on it, but writing, um, one part of writing that's super important is once you have the rough draft, and we'll get into the writing it on paper, I guess, but once you have that rough draft, it's the comic circle. 
the comic circle is where I have honed in and helped write a lot of jokes. Um, because hmm. I have a couple of friends I trust, which is David and Cameron. I'll run a joke by them. And uh, they will tell me if it's good or bad, or they'll steal it. <laughs> I feel like Cameron told a joke about you... being a seventeen-year-old father. I wrote that. He did. <laughs> he did. And I took the yeah. kid too, and I threw yeah, him out a I... window. <laughs> here's the thing: I wrote it at sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the like the there are times when I feel like sometimes you share a joke with me just because you know it's going to make me angry. But there are other times, like, yeah, you... It's angry as a test. If it makes you angry, it's good. That is that is the test. Yeah, how did airline feuds go over again? Fuck, great. Wow. Fucking great. I did not, <laughs> for anybody actually wondering who... Listen, not a single laugh at it ever. For two months. For two months he did it. Not a single laugh. It's what I call a set reset. Anyway... <laughs> Um, but yeah, having a circle of friends that you trust in comedy that you can like bounce back with, or help even write together with, I cannot over, like, I cannot stress enough how valuable that is. I cannot overstate how valuable that is because it is so important. Like there've been a couple of times that I've sent jokes over to cam and again, they're some of them are written, so there's not the performative aspects, or you don't know exactly how it sounds. But he'll send back to me, it's like, this doesn't sound like you. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah. This doesn't sound like me. This is, this is something where I had an inspiration, and I, it, I got off track on it. And so now it doesn't sound like me. Then I'll go through, and I'll re-edit it, resend it. Now it sounds like me. Now it actually yeah. sounds like something that I would be talking about and how I would be talking about something. And again, that's not something that you need to lock into per se, but where you are right now, like that's a good thing to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 be I believe that. Um, and in terms of the writing part, let's say you get that inspiration, right? You find that thing that makes you laugh. I'm going to use an example uh, I'm going to tell a part of a longer joke that I think I said before. Uh, when your name's the Baconator, you don't make love, you fuck. You pump mm -hmm. it and dump it, you grease it and release it. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it, it's really gross, right? It's really gross, but visceral, and it has a, a image in your head. Sorry, or as Dave Founder, as Wendy's Founders, Dave Thomas once called it, grease it and release it. Um, so what I did is I went, you fuck because you're the Baconator, and I went, that definitely has to be a rule of three joke uh, with a subversion. And I, I threw any other type of joke out, and I went, rule of three. Middle is something that is just sounds fun, but isn't a punchline. Third thing is big. And third thing has to be unique. This is how I think. And then I go, what's something that's food-related that sounds like sex? Grease. Grease sounds like lube. What rhymes at grease that sounds like sex? And then I went, ba 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 release. Grease it and release it. And that's the stuff I write down. And when I first write it, it's incredibly bulky. And then I run it by mm -hmm. comics. And then we I work on word economy. And that's the first draft. That's, yeah, there's a lot of jokes that when you first actually write them, and we'll get to this a little bit more in the rewriting spot, but they're not, you're never going to, I don't want to say never. But very, very rarely are you ever going to write a joke from 
inspiration to the you know first time you write it where it's going to be done there's going to be improvements that you can make to that joke whether it's cutting out words whether it's this or that which is i don't want to say necessarily a trap that i fall into whenever i do get the inspiration to write because a lot of times and jeremy and i talked about this held just this past wednesday when i write a joke i will sometimes make the front part of it Mm -hmm. a little bulky word heavy it's trying to contextualize too much before i get to the actual funny part that's just how i've written how i've always written and then i go through and i find what i can take out like what because i i'll just be honest about this i'm still not too good at like trusting audiences to follow along with my specific thought process and it's not because i think i'm such a special boy that nobody i'm really not you nobody are. can you are don't let, <laughs> okay don't let cameron's a dad Jeremy take that away from you cameron's but, a dad i need you to know that let's go and, to the window everybody <laughs> has everybody has a unique way <laughs> To daddy, I don't want to fly. Um, sorry, <laughs> but everybody has a, you. <laughs> everybody has a unique way of thinking and seeing the world. So a lot of times, I'll try to overcontextualize. So, <laughs> well, I, a lot of times I try to overly contextualize so that way people see it exactly how I'm seeing it. So that way, the part that I actually find funny. I find funny and I do that in the setup to the joke and I'm trying to get better at that, but also I'm not upset by that part of my process because it also helps me. Like I'm writing this stuff out. Like when I actually get the inspiration and I sit down to write and I'm actually writing this joke and some, you know, when it actually comes to writing, I don't care how you do it, whether you sit down at a laptop in a Word document, whether you just write it in the notes section on your phone, which is where all of my jokes live because I find it easier to organize that way, or if you actually write pen to paper. But it helps me because I see other things that I've written down in this setup, and I'm like, oh, well, there can be a joke about this later there can be a joke about this later there can be a joke about this later it opens up possibilities for other jokes in the bit and then i just go through and as i do it at open mics cut those out one by one it's like oh i don't need this part of the setup so this joke goes i don't need this joke because it's not getting laughs so i guess i can remove this part of the setup that's how i help with the rewriting process i know i jumped way ahead to our rewriting it's fine everything everything is like different like everything is different like i rewrite after i write before i even send it to you guys oh yeah well and that's the that's the thing about writing is that the writing part itself for me when i actually have an inspiration something that i'm inspired to write the writing process doesn't take long Mm -hmm. it can take like you know 20 minutes maybe an hour if it's a really long bit but the rewriting process is the spot that's more because the writing process is just here's 
all of my setups here, all of my punchlines. That that's easy. Rewriting is the far more important and interesting thing, in my opinion. The, um, Cameron, uh, anything? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. You want me? There, there's just so much. Like, I think everybody's thing is different. I will say that I very much agree with David in that, like, the writing of an actual joke for me goes pretty quick and if it goes quick that's how i know i like the joke and that's how i know the joke is me and that's how i know the joke fits um Mm -hmm. into my into everything and and so that's kind of i guess the through line through all of this is like if it's yours you'll know right away you know like you'll Mm -hmm. know you'll know Um, if you're excited to say it on stage yeah and that's the other thing like i get various levels of excitement like the first level of excitement is you know, like I'm excited to share it with y'all for to see what you guys think. The next level of excitement is I'm excited to, you know, um, kind of run it on at a, at a mic, you know, and then if it's really, really good, then I get then you get super excited when you're like, oh, maybe this joke I just did didn't go so well, but I'm about to hit them with this joke and it's gonna be killer. And that level of excitement that you have for a joke has to pass through all this. Are you excited? at the thought of it are you excited to be writing it are you excited to share the draft are you excited to try it at a mic for the first time are you excited to do it in a show are you excited on a big show to put it into your set and mm-hmm. once you start collecting once you have a collection of jokes like that where you're like oh i'm so excited to do this one. Oh, i'm so excited to do that one that's when you know your shit is getting good and that's when yeah. you know that like you care about your stuff and that and that your stuff is sounding like you but it's you know not every joke is going to make it to every level of that. And that's kind of where, and that's kind of where jokes die, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And you, it, because the, the, you know, getting a joke through is just like any kind of uh, the joke is, I think a joke is constantly auditioning itself for your act. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the, I would like that phrasing. Yeah. And it has to pass every level of the process. Um, before it gets before it just before it's cast and it just gets to stay and it's in your and it's in your it's it's yours you know as far as like rewriting goes i mean i don't i don't know how often like i think the revision process is constant right like Mm -hmm. if a joke has been around for a long time and gets stale then you might fully ask like rewrite some stuff but i think that in that long process from conception to draft to sharing to trying on at the mic and in the mic stage in the in the small show stage takes a long i mean that might take a year you know um just to try a new to get a new bit perfect right to a Mm -hmm. point where like all right you've got a five minute audition is this joke making it into your five minutes on stage right um and Mm -hmm. Or you've got a, 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 you know, really, really big show or something you really want to crush on, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but through every step of that, the joke is going to be revised. And and I, you know, I trust an audience to tell me. And and that was that's a bit of ego you have to set aside. You know, I came from a performance background and, you know, from a writing background. And I felt like I know what's best for me and my stuff. And I was reluctant to trust an audience. But look, you 
if you don't listen for the laughs, you're don't even don't even do it, man. Like if your joke isn't getting laughs, change that joke. Change yeah. it. That is a that's a Chris Rock rule, actually. If you bring it back to Chris Rock in his interview, one big thing he says is like new comics, they're they're too concerned about the crowd. They ask if the crowd is good or not. And it's like, but if you kill, the crowd doesn't get credit. You get credit. You gotta work to make your jokes like just funny. Like yeah. listen to them. Even when there's like three I, I did uh, in a safe way, I went over to the last ever barley. Yeah. There were four people. Uh and uh I tested out two new jokes. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that that joke was those jokes were working well because those all four of those people started laughing. Yeah. And you got to hear what four people killing it sounds like or what those four people killing it sounds like. So I don't disagree with you with David with sometimes not trusting the audience. If it's like a really like drunk crowd, like, yeah, sometimes. And uh, when I say not I always ask, I, oh, the question I always ask when I'm like the moment that I'm like, ah, oh, that crowd sucked. The question I always ask is I say, would Chris Rock have crushed that crowd? If Kevin Hart was on stage right there, would he have done well? Right? Yeah. Like, uh, would would Bill Burr do well on our crowd? You think Whitney Cummings can get on stage and crush that scene right now? You think Michelle Wolf Bill would Burr bomb? No. Bomb at one crowd. I've seen Bill Burr bomb one crowd, and it was televised. <laughs> it was his SNL oh, one just recently? Where I oh, well, he did all right. No, I think his jokes were good. I don't think the crowd liked them. No, I think they did. I didn't. I didn't find it remarkably no, it- bad. It was it was neither here nor there. Oh, I didn't say he uh, was bad. No, I just think the crowd wasn't in. As, as far as like when it comes to stand-ups doing stand-up in SNL monologues, like it wasn't the best, it, but it wasn't bad. The yeah. When when I I want to go back to uh, when I say not trusting the crowd, it's not that I don't trust the crowd as like for audience feedback and stuff. I meant when I'm writing a joke, I'm not sure what other people's personal experiences are, mm. how they're going to take a word or I see something saying. that I said. I see that. So that's why I put too much detail in the setup of a joke. Mm. So that way they're not picturing their own separate thing that's going to make this joke either go way bad or somehow is going to offend a person. That's why I put that much detail into the front. And then I end up taking that detail out. And if somebody, like if somebody gets offended by something that I say, that's, you guys know me as a comedian. I'm not an offensive comedian. Well, the crowds will tell you that too. Yeah. Yeah, You know, they'll tell you. And and if you don't have the luxury of having the life experience of everybody in your crowd or the generic population of your crowd, try it, you know, go try it out and try it at different places, man. You know, like, and that's that's kind of the thing too. Like, it's some comics that only play the in town in, in here in the city of Omaha for all of our international listeners. Um, <laughs> the, there, it's comics that will only play the small hole in the wall, uh, the the improv theater, the back line, um, mm-hmm. and the you know kind of young millennial or young Gen Z. Um, liberal stuff isn't always going to work out at the out at the funny bone and if you're mm-hmm. at the funny bone and you only are used to playing for rich white people um 
your jokes aren't always going to do well when you go up and you play Love's Jazz uh, Center up north, or if you are on a you know some mixed festival show that's mostly young people. Like people have to try to get in front of as many different kinds of stages yep. as they can. Yeah. And again, the question I always ask is, like, honest. I'll be honest with you. I think Kevin Hart is my go-to for. Question I think I've heard you say Kevin Hart. I say yeah. Kevin Hart all the time because because Kevin Hart's really. I think Kevin Hart has been really smart about never alienating any art. Like, there's a reason why he's the biggest comedian on the planet the last five years, last mm-hmm. maybe ten years. You know, um, and it's because yeah. it's because he he will do well in front of every single crowd always, mm-hmm. always. You're not going to mm-hmm. see him bomb. He's real strategic about it. That, I, uh, that's that's the thing that that's just a trait you see carried through every i'm not even gonna say great comedian every good comedian every comedian mm-hmm. who's yeah you know working and actually doing this as a job and they're in clubs every weekend in different cities they yeah they might have you know a bad set every now and again but for the most part it doesn't matter what room is in front of them they're going to do well mm-hmm. and they they're might not, gonna, not they're not they don't always have to tailor their set to that room i mean do your jokes man if your jokes are funny they're funny seinfeld exactly. seinfeld could play anywhere in the world and he will do well he's gonna yeah. do well man exactly when uh when new comics came up and asked what are the open mics first one i say besides barley i used to say go down under Go to Down Under, go to the mixed up mice lab, poetry, music, and comedy, because those are very hard to perform in. Oh, you will bomb. You will bomb. But if you get someone to laugh, you earned it. And I've had I've had comics go, I I refuse to perform that room. That room sucks. And you go, yeah, it does suck. It fucking sucks. Do it. I tell you what, some of my favorite some of my favorite open mic memories are being the one comedian at the mixed open mic that got laughs during their set. Yeah. Like that's those are some of my favorite open mic memories because yeah. everybody else went up and failed and I didn't. And it's not like comedy is a competitive sport, but there is something to feel good about when that happens. It's, com- when, it's competitive because it's all about vanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, but I mean, if you if you go into a room where everybody is having a bad time and you have a good a time. good a good set, and you like turn a room around, mm-hmm. th- feel good about it. Don't be a dick about it in the green room and go and flex on people and be like, "Oh, I turned that whole fucking room around." Where the fuck were you? Unless guys? that person's Don't... an asshole, then do it. No, oh yeah, that, I mean, that, no, yeah it. that's that's I don't know. That's a, that's a little more spiteful. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, if if like it if you do well in a room that nobody else is doing well in, go ahead and feel good about that. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I don't know how we got to this part of the conversation, but uh, yeah, that that's just a little bit of free extra advice. One question about one thing about writing and rewriting I've been noticing more lately, and something that. When I, I sometimes run jokes by family or my mom, who is like my biggest like my biggest critic in like a most positive way. Um, so where I've mentioned multiple times, she'll write notes when she goes to the funny bone about my set. I like how sometimes you pause after you say something just to see if we're gonna burn you. 
at this point it's like it's like conditioned well i mean Uh, and hell at this point of the podcast i have to wait to see if the guest is going to do something because i've already done it so many times (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna let him breathe at this point, Cameron's been on so much that he could take over your job, David. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. Um, What's it pay? Nothing. Your uh, dignity. I know. <laughs> Wait, no. You, I'm sorry. You said what's it pay, not what's it cost. <laughs> uh, uh, but actually, what I what I focus on, and like in art, you have like sight lines that lead, like when you're looking at a piece of art sight lines that lead you to the important stuff or like the perfect curve which again it's where your eye follows stuff like that um and in comedy you have that sonically and like mentally you know like uh i have the words like grease and release it or uh yeah and that grease and release it one i do words that uh are you i do sentences that are used so often that your mind isn't focusing on that you and then focus on grease it and release it and maybe that's where you use repetition of words so people can use mental shortcuts to ignore it so they can focus on the funny and like that's what i sometimes focus on in the rewrite is like where is it too clunky where are people getting caught up where are there too many images being made and streamline that shit yeah and that's the uh, you know when i talk about how i write long and then i edit down um that's exactly what I'm doing throughout that process is I'm finding out like, okay, where are people, where are audiences, where am I losing them? Mm-hmm. Like where, where am I giving too much information that I don't need for the punchline? Where am I putting too many like visual images in people's heads? Mm-hmm. And if I feel like that's part, that part is needed, how do I you know, jazz it up to make people what like do you know? Do you throw in some good, a uh, good little bit of alliteration? Do you uh, throw in something that rhymes? Do you um, say something in a say something normal in a silly or provocative or you know way that it that we were kind of talking about this uh, off mic when we were in our break. Um, yeah, we there's have just, makes, guys. So we're, we need it. Yeah, there are, there are just so many different things to cover in writing. Like you can make a you can make a whole podcast about it, like Joel Byers did. Like, ah, right. You got I, have one. A, I have a I have a I, so you know what's interesting is like I think that a lot of comedians, I think a lot of people that are in years one through ten will spend a lot of time. Let me be academic for a second. (laughs) Pontificating um, about, I think people just, I think people just love to chew the fat. They love to dissect the frog when it comes to talking about comedy. Um, Yeah. Do you think, do you think that there's a lot of value in being like, is there enough alliteration? Is there enough? Or like, do you think, do you think you could just do it and let funny be funny? Or do you think you got to think it through? No, you can definitely just let funny be funny. Oh, yeah. It's like but cooking. There, there are, I think there are times when I, yes. So, Hold on one second, guys. Give me one I'll, second. I need to tell my wife what medicine our dogs need. Half a white pill, 
half an orange pill. That's it. Do not give them the blue pill. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Once you get on Reddit, you'll know why. Um, Um, hold on. Let me, let me get back to this. Let me get back to this point that I was making. Um, puppy pills. This has been our most informal podcast ever. Um, right. But somebody like, better you edit could... this into something coherent. I know it's good. I thought, man, this can be real easy. We got three professionals. It's be fucking easy. You, you can. Okay, so here we are. You can just let funny be funny. Yeah. I, but it's. I don't think it hurts to think about when you're writing. Like at least that way, so you know what your trends are in case you ever want to try to break them. Yeah. Like there are too many times that I'm trying to get a reaction off of using some sort of alliteration. There are too many times that I'm pausing like this to make an effect and talking like that. Like they're analyzing your writing is never bad, but if it's for somebody who's really early on, just write what you think is funny. Mm-hmm. And if something like the, fancy technical writing terms you know pops up and happens that's great see i would agree with i think that's such a such an important thing to note like when you start talking about when you start talking about rule you know even rule threes or when you start talking about all these different things and alliteration and you know whether or not you have uh parallelism or what types of vivid language you want to use all that stuff like i think it's important to write Write first and let, and you know, like the truth is you'd be like, why is this, you know, it would be better if you did this. Don't ask why, just know that it is. And if it's funnier, it's funnier. And then leave it to the podcasts to dissect why your joke worked. Leave it to us talking about our favorite specials to be like, it's perfect because, but very rarely is somebody going to sit down and be like, this is the way that I'm going to make this thing. You know, you know, you got to trust it. So mm. I'm going to compare it to food. And like when I'm writing stuff, I don't go, man, I need to add some alliteration. I need to, I need to add some shit to make it deep. And I go, no, no, no. To me, it's like cooking. I'm making a stew. I'm making a sandwich. I'm making something. And instead of just adding a bunch of ingredients I like, I go, well, I'm going to add a little bit of, I'm going to add a little bit of cayenne pepper and a little bit of uh, something else to kind of bring out the heat. But I'm not, I'm not overthinking it. I'm just adding stuff that I know works well together. So it tastes good. So it makes me laugh. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to overanalyze what I'm cooking. I'm just making some eggs. I'm just making some food uh, and just kind of going where the food takes me. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're cooking though, you need to just follow a recipe. Don't, don't mess with I'm not going to <laughs> mess with what Jeremy thought worked. I'm not going to eat um, that. There've been, there've been too many times that I've freestyled dinner and had to order a pizza. So, you know, that's... we'll see going on to that analogy. I've had people write, great jokes but then like it's lost in some clutter and i go hey man just you know just do this and that's that's where you have a friend it's like hey this is really good maybe just make it a rule of three you're doing too much like you told me with the catholic joke when i do the priest calls me back you said just make it a rule of three there's way too much and just have them focus yeah. like that's you you had like five or six examples in that joke and it's like there there are just some general rules of comedy that work best like if you're giving examples, three is usually the number that you should stick on. It's 
easier, it's quicker, it's it gets you through. A general rule I like to say is if you're rewriting, apply the stuff that you might know about joke writing, but don't overanalyze. Just just keep adding spices till it's funny to you and funny to the audience. There is only one thing that I will say, like if you're actually in the process of writing down, and this can also be done in the rewrite, if you're actually in the process of writing down that you should do, is if you're writing a joke and you're using a particular word over and over and over and over and over again, go find some synonyms for that word. You'll hear that though. Isn't that's yeah. my point? Like you when you listen to it, you'll hear it. Like the 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 cool thing about comedy, the reason why it's so accessible to everybody is because everybody knows it. You don't ever it's like music, man. Like you don't ever have to explain you don't have to know anything about music to understand what sounds good and what doesn't. You know? Yeah. And and comedy's mm. comedy's the same way. You know, like you 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 don't even have to mind your stuff. Just look at it and be like, why does this sound bad? Like, what am I, what did I do here? And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. cause, cause this, this sounds weird. It sounds weird. If I, you know, um, if I say that same phrase over and over again mm-hmm. or whatever it is, like, I think that's what's so cool about it, man. It's like, I think that for any young comic, the, any new, anybody new in town, at least in, in, in everywhere, everywhere, it's just, write what flows and then let just just let the where you start getting hung up and when you when your audience starts tripping on you um and they're not laughing at your stuff that let that be your revision you know yeah the constant the audience always has a red pen you know yeah. yeah my favorite my favorite open mic was patty's um because sometimes we'd get an audience but it was just a group of comics mm-hmm. and then we'd workshop and that was an audience's red pen, but they then told me during, while I was on stage what worked, what didn't work. And it, it was less pontificating. It was just more like, hey, man, this, 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 doesn't, this isn't funny. Maybe try something. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. And like, like I said, don't overanalyze. Don't be a philosopher about it. Listen to your set. Mm. And then no, this but... is maybe our transition into – I do have one quick question for both of you before we transition. Um, but, like, listen to your set. Record. That's why you record. Mm-hmm. This is why you record so you can listen and go, oh shit, that's not funny. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm your memory will pr- play tricks on you when it comes yeah. to the show. You'll remember things better than they were, and you'll or remember worse. things worse than they were. Yeah. Um, we, You'll very, very rarely remember things as they actually were. Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, I have a question for both of y'all, and this is this this is so much not important. But it is something that it just adds to the comfort of writing. Um, do you guys write digitally or analog? Uh, I, digitally. Yeah, I, I write everything on my phone. I, um, I um, because I've just started, I always start a new note page. And then I always forget to go back to my phone and keep looking at my phone. And so I forget jokes. So I have two notebooks. One's a really tiny one that just has the little premise. That like in the middle of the night, fuck, bada 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 bada. Or if I'm driving or walking, bada bada bada. And then I have another one that I actually write the joke in. And then writing it multiple times, that helps me in my head remember it. Yeah. I used to I used to be real um I don't know, maybe 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 religious isn't isn't the right word about it, but I used I used to be real precious about writing sets in 
uh, a notebook I had. I had a notebook of sets. So every set. You used to tell me that. Yeah, I used to tell me that. Yep. I and and I did. I took it everywhere. I felt you know. I wrote every set for every show, and truthfully, it's pro- I I could probably. It, I don't know that I hate the idea of bringing it back, but I don't know if I just got lazy or if I just got tired of dragging it around. But mm-hmm. I think that writing. You know, I hear some people say you need to write. But I watched. Um, the opening act last night, Steve Burns' new movie. Um, mm. And, uh, and, and he's and there's a line in there where Cedric, the entertainers talking to Whitney Cummings, they're both in character, but they're saying, um, you know, don't write on, don't write on your phone, write in pen because it makes you closer to your, to your work. And, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's just something old people say. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's people who didn't grow up in the digital age. People who didn't grow up in the digital age. I write everything in my phone, in my notes all the time. But I do think that for like memorizing certain things, like I, it does help to be able to like, if I need to memorize a set, it helps me write down just the jokes that I have in a set order. Yeah. So that way I don't forget mm-hmm. set order. That's just a memory thing. But yeah. I don't have any problem writing things on paper and, or writing things on, um, uh, like typing them up. I do think sometimes I prefer to like actually break out a keyboard and write as opposed to just writing on my phone. Um, yeah. Whether that's an you know an iPad or a computer, like this is the other thing you're gonna see. I'm real, I'm real techie. I'm a tech dad, and so yeah. that's why I prefer to do it this way. Some people don't. I, I can never picture Jeremy writing his jokes in his phone just because I know him. He's like, a, he's he's just not his. It's not his style, and I don't I don't knock that at all. I think whatever works for you, wherever it flows. Yeah. I would get too hung up on the fact that I can't write as fast as I can type, and and I if I've got an idea, I want to crank it out. Yeah. Um, in yep. in revising and rewriting means I don't want to have to rewrite every single word. So maybe it's a matter of laziness. But oh no, I hate rewriting every word. That's why I used to write the bones of a joke. And sometimes I'll just write yeah. like, in the middle of the night, right on my phone, and that's fine. But I'll write it later. But I had a hard time, and I've told David and Cameron, I have a hard time writing word for word. I have a hard mm-hmm. time memorizing word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fucked me up a lot. Because I would just kind of jazz in between the bits, right? And it would sometimes work. And that's what writing on the stage really is. You have a rough outline. You throw it up on stage. You jazz a little bit. And if it works, you kind of cement it. But, like, you and, early on, you needed to write it word for word. I feel like, like, or else you're going to forget why it was funny. Like, we just did earlier with the God is my ex. Well, I didn't write, for me, I didn't write anything word for word for, like, the first four years that I did comedy. And then I actually tried doing pen to paper, but then I ran into Cameron's thing where I think faster than I write and I type faster than I write. So then I just started making all the notes in my phone. Uh, like you should see my, actually I just recently reorganized all of the notes in my folder based on stage that I'm in with the jokes. So it's a little more clean, but there's still like, hold on, burp. There's still over a hundred. Said, um, hold on, but I was still very in the microphone. Was it? Oh, I, the, yeah. mute, the mute button has a delay. I'm sorry. Mm, that's the um, excuse. The, uh, but yeah, the, <laughs> sorry. Now, now we're, now I just feel like one of those morning radio DJs playing burp sound effects. Um, but the, the writing down word for word, helped me out and there's an there's an initial thing that you do need to get over when you write down word for word that you can get 
done either on stage at open mics or, but it's making something that is essentially rehearsed sound natural. Yeah. And just making it sound like that, but that's a small, small hurdle to get over. That comes, that's a public speaking thing. That just comes across. Yeah. Yeah. What I, yeah, what I used to do back. Hold on. I I weren't done. (laughs) Just going back to Preston or, or not Preston, Cameron, uh, saying that he carries around that he used to carry around that small notebook that he would write all of his sets in. I still do that, but mm-hmm. for me, that's more that's more of a pre-show ritual. Yeah, because what I used to do with those little notebooks is if I was trying out new jokes, I would write down like the bullet points that I would want to hit, which was as much writing as I had done for any of those jokes. But now it just becomes a it becomes a way for me to record old sets while recording old sets like if i'm for me it's if i'm finding that a joke i've been doing for a while is struggling like it's not hitting the right way i can think back to like okay when was the last time that really that i felt like that really really hit i can open up my notebook skim back through to see when i last did that joke and like i remember it doing well on this joke then go find the subsequent audio recording of that show hit Mm -hmm. play and listen to that joke and see what I'm doing different in those jokes. That's a little, that's a little more in depth, but that's, like I, that's my, that's part of my pre-show ritual is I write down my set in that little notebook because again, it helps me remember the set when I get on stage, kind of like Cameron said, but also it just, it calms me because I'm not thinking about anything else during that time. I'm just thinking about, writing this set down and that's another 15 20 minutes where i don't have to think about you know going and talking in front of people yeah in my notes i just write like i'll write the title of uh, the kind of the bullet point of a joke is the title of the note and then i just put joke in the title so that way if i never need to look up jokes i just search jokes i just search the word joke and then all my jokes pop up mm-hmm. I, and i'll uh, do the same my... thing with a sketch so sketch i'll write sketch and then if it's a sketch idea then it pops up and then i can search that way mm-hmm. um yeah no um when i my free show is i i do have sometimes i'll just do a bar napkin or i have my little set uh set book and i will write my set down and that is a to me a not a good luck charm, but they have my pre-show rituals so I can see how the jokes flow together, and how uh, stuff works. And so I can again just turn everything off, focus on the set. Um, and also, uh, my deepest fear is forgetting a joke, or forgetting what I'm gonna say in a set, especially if it's around the 15-20 minute mark. I'm just always afraid. Um, but in terms of making the rehearse field natural, which we could do a whole other episode on just performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know when in speech, what I used to do with HIs and, um, and DIs and stuff is I would always find myself back in that moment of when I kind of first told it and that excitement or that emotion, um, and just kind of spark that back up, um, or just kind of visualize the joke and that helped me out a lot. Uh, or just kind of not, not kind of jazzing it a little bit where I would maybe say things slightly different, but still keeping it kind of the same. So it always felt fresh to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that just kept it alive and going and why I always got like third place or like fourth. Uh, (laughs) 
in speech. Um, but yeah, no, that is basically when it comes to writing, we all have different things that just make us feel comfortable with our writing. And that's why I bring up the analog and digital thing is because it's really based off your comfort. Mm-hmm. It's whatever is going to help you the most. And if you're a new comedian, experiment, experiment with all different, t- try writing it in a notebook, try writing it on a computer, try writing it in your phone, try writing just the bullet points, try writing it word for word. Hell, even including little asterisk when you're going to do an act out or a voice, try that, try everything. That's if you're new like nobody's expecting you to be a great comedian when you're year two or three in. Help people. Most people aren't expecting you to be a great comedian until you've been doing it for about ten years. So fuck around. Find out what works for you. As the youth say, fuck around and find out. Yeah, that's what they mean. Yes, that's exactly what they mean when they say that phrase. Yep. Yep. Um. But yeah, when it comes to the writing part, like putting it down on paper and whatnot, really don't overthink it, write it. And really the first rule about a joke is, does it make you laugh? You'll notice on every episode when I ask, what's your favorite joke? More often than not, the answer is the joke I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, joke that's, that's, that's the joke that you're most excited about. That's the joke that's making you laugh the most because it's fresh and it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, but also realize that just because this joke is making you laugh, that if the audience is not laughing at said joke, you need to revise and rework <laughs> that joke. Right. There are yeah. way right. too many comedians, especially in Omaha right now, who think they are absolutely killing it when the only person laughing at their joke is them into the microphone. So of course the laugh sounds big your laugh is being amplified yeah yeah um i have yeah it's a it's a trap that i've fallen into before i'm not gonna lie about that when you're when you're the first when you're in your first couple of years and you're listening back to a recording because somebody told you to record you're just listening for laughs so if you hear a laugh you're like oh this joke must have done well but what you don't realize is that was your own laugh because I'm I'm never gonna say don't laugh at your own stuff, but you know what you sound like. <laughs> yeah, and limit limit laughing at your own stuff because there's nothing that takes an audience out more than somebody who's about to try to tell a joke. Hell, not even an audience. If you're telling a funny story, if somebody's telling a funny story, nothing makes me less interested in that story than when they already start laughing like way too hard before they get to the funny part because then they tell me the funny part and I'm like, that's not worth that big of a laugh. That's not that funny. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a thing that I've done personally myself. So I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I, it's been, it's been a critique on this podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> I will fight those people. <laughs> me. Yeah, you'll fight me. But um, actually, yeah. I do want to talk about, since we're already kind of into the performing part, um, when I go to an open mic and I test out new jokes, sometimes I throw an old joke as the first one. Get, so I know, because in Omaha, we don't have the luxury of a lot of mics. Like, a day. We mm-hmm. don't have many at all. And we don't have many at all. 
One thing we do have that it seems like some other cities don't, though, is that most of our open mics actually have something that resembles an audience in it. It's not just other comedians sitting there listening, waiting for their turn to go up. In time, we have we have time. You get a lot of time on our mics. Yeah. And time, I mean, I've yeah. been to California. It's been like two, two, three minutes. Here, it's like five, sometimes ten or fifteen. Um, two new comic sentiments when they think they have to fill the fifteen. You don't have to fill five minutes. You don't have to fill the time at all. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't because I'm tired and I'm done with this shit. Yeah, if I only wanted to work on like a couple of jokes and those couple of jokes leave me at like three minutes, I, I'm I'm fine. I'll I'm leave. I'm getting to the point, and maybe I'm just grumpy, but I'm getting to the point where I feel like. And, you know, all of this is to exist in a world where COVID doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. feel like five minutes is, is too long. It's, it's too generous. And the reason why is because then nobody's writing. No, Like when you look at all the new comics and you see people come around, like nobody's stuff is tighter. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. jokes are yeah. too loose. And yeah. Then you go to another city and you're going to get eaten up by somebody who has a punchline after every sentence. You know what I'm saying? And it's because you have to make a joke. Two minutes long, a two minute long joke has to be a minute of joke. You know, a two minute long spot has to be, you just have to fill a lot more jokes per second than you do when you have five minutes to mess around and be like, ah, so how's uh, everybody doing tonight? I don't ever, I should never hear anybody else. Like we just get so comfortable and I do it too, but we Mm -hmm. get so comfortable as though that's not valuable time that you can be working to get better. And I think that the abundance of it makes us less precious with it. And I think that as a, as a, as a comedy community here in town, we could be sharper by making, better use of that time you know mm-hmm. people would complain but the people that would complain will not get better and the people that adapt will be much better comedians and their jokes will be better those complaints are actually the thing that bugged me the most because i hear people complain about these mics for two reasons one yeah the the what if complaint about like you know it being too tight um but also the complaint of like hey there isn't that much of an audience or the audience is dead and it's like give a shit yeah. Who gives a shit? You have somebody who's willing to sit and watch you. Mm-hmm. One, be grateful. Two, like, I maybe it's because of maybe it's just me and I have this like mathy kind of head. Uh, I go in and I start with that big that joke that I know works, and I go, "This is what five people killing sounds like. This is what this audience killing sounds like." Mm-hmm. So now I test my new joke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when you're going into an open mic. Your your goal shouldn't be necessarily to kill. You should want to get laughs, but the main reason of an open mic is to try to improve those jokes so that way when you right. get onto a show, then you kill. And that tightness that Cameron brings up, I think one, that tightness comes from, I guess to quote Hannibal Burris, you should spend more time writing than riffing. And uh, it... Yeah, you just that tightness comes from you wanting to have five minutes and not having a joke that just fits for you. Like a lot of my jokes are probably about a minute under. Mm-hmm. Like they're short because those that's all that makes me laugh. 
I find the punchline. The way I write is I find the punchline and I work around the punchline. I make a nougat center. I make a like a hard candy center around my chocolatey core that is the joke. And often enough, they're only a minute. In fact, I have the problem where I don't have enough setup and I need to work on more. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the stuff when it comes to having longer set times here, like here in Omaha or in other cities where they'll give you generous open mic times. Like, I improved the most when I started making the, like imposing on myself like you have to write tighter. If they're giving you five minutes, you should be telling at least four, not even jokes, bits, where bits contain multitude of jokes. You should be doing that when they give you five minutes. Now, have I always stuck to that and you know gotten that, you know, met that standard? No. But that's my goal every time I go up and someone's giving me five minutes or seven minutes or God forbid ten minutes. I don't know where these fucking places get off, but mixed up makes you be like fifteen minutes and like yeah. The- I, oh no, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, that's a show. There. That's a show. Yeah, that's a show. That, yeah. The comics that start there, they're the most. They have the most like talk mm-hmm. before the punchline. Yeah, and that's kind of where that's kind of why the. I have the problem that I have when I write new jokes where I have so much lead-ins because I started at those mixed mics. Like I st- Well, I started with Barley Street, an actual comedy mic, but the only other real consistent mics in Omaha back then were mixed mics. So you get 15 minutes. You're like, I get 15 minutes to just be on stage? That's amazing. I'm going to milk this for everything it's worth. But now, like, I was starting about three years ago. I started... No, not three years ago, like three, four years ago. I started imposing that restriction on myself. It's like, okay, if you're going on stage for this five-minute mic, you have to tell at least four bits containing multiple jokes and punchlines and laughs in them because that's the only way you're going to keep up. The impetus of that is I went to Chicago. I went to Chicago and I did a couple of shows out in Chicago and I was getting laughs. But I wasn't getting the laughs that these other comedians were getting. I wasn't getting that many laughs. I was I wasn't getting those heart that heart of laughs because I was talking too much between punchlines. So that's been my whole thing now is trying to limit time between punchlines. And you have to impose that on yourself if you're in a city where the mics are long where the mics are giving you more than two, three minutes time. Yeah. I, I, I think where'd everybody go? <laughs> <laughs> We're here. We're here. We're just, it's, it's just a lot to think about because like, yeah, you'll notice a comic when they're trying to, the question I hate is what should I talk about next? Yeah. Um, I just, just yeah. No, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm really at a point and again, maybe I'm getting grumpy, but like, if I don't have, if I don't, if if I show up at a mic and I'm not trying, right? If I'm not trying to do well, just know that I'm not there to do comedy. Like I'm there to hang out. Like I'm there just yeah. to see my friends and to to pal around. But if I but if I'm at a mic because I'm there to work, like I'm not gonna you're not gonna see me mess around. I'm not gonna try a bunch of crowd work. You're not gonna see me crowd working a mic. You're not gonna see me see me messing around trying to. Uh, just you know, oh, whoa, 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 
what am I going to do next? What a, oh, what, what else is going on here tonight? What a, what was I going to say? I'm not going to do that. And if I do, just know that I'm not taking it seriously. I'm there just to see my friends, but I'm not trying to be a comedian. If you want to be a comic man, make use of that time. The one thing, you're right. Like, you'll get in a five-minute set at Barley Street two you get basically the equivalent of doing two mics in an, in any other city and you need to use that time because there are people who are doing five, six mics a night and you can work that hard or you can work smart and show up to the mic and be ready to go and try your stuff and try to get better um, mm-hmm. as often as you can. And, and that's all, that's all we could do in a small, small, small market like this is you have to work. I think that if you want to get good here, you have to be 10 times smarter. You have to work 10 times more efficiently, right? Mm-hmm. Because just like in anything, if you're not in a place where people are producing the best of the best, you're not going to be able to compete when you get there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard it's hard to get good here. It's hard to get good. And most of the time I feel like I get better from a single trip out of state than I ever do uh after, you know, after a couple months in town just because steel sharpens steel and if we don't force ourselves to be better if we don't start telling these comedians hey you need to cut that open mic time down from 10 minutes is ridiculous man like what do you do these these dudes don't got 10 minutes these people don't have Hmm. 10 minutes to fill and then you hear people and then every once in a while you'll get somebody that's complaining well you know i can't really do 10 minutes because i you know i'm like I, I really like doing longer sets well we all do but you're worse because of it and yeah. we have to make each other i want everybody to be good in this city because it will make me better but the only way to do that is to stop messing around mm-hmm. it, it took Honestly, me a while to realize that just because you like doing longer sets doesn't mean you should because all yeah what what I what I didn't realize then that I realized now when I said that was I can't work on all the jokes I want to work on because all of my jokes are too long. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying when I said I like longer sets. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to then I got to a point where I started actually cutting down and like trimming trimming things down like the longest bit that I have now. I mean it's still it's a seven minute long bit, one bit. It's just one big story that I only do on storyteller shows. But on for jokes that I consistently do, yeah. my longest bit is like two minutes now. And even then, that bit contains five or six Lots jokes. Lots of jokes, right. Yeah, I, I, it's, very, it's very punchy. And you can and, have, you can have a 10 minute, uh, you know, a 10 or five minute story, but I always point people to like look go look at your favorite comedian's comedy album. Go look at their comedy mm-hmm. album, look at their track list. Their track list is every bit they have is to borrow ba- David's use of the word bit. Their track list mm-hmm. is every bit that they have and every bit is going to I mean there's not going to be many that are longer than 5 minutes. Um Yeah. And though and li- you think about all your favorite jokes. All your favorite jokes from every stand-up special that you watched that made that got you into um that got you that got you into comedy right you look at all that there's no joke out there that's longer than five minutes there's not i mean with very few except like everybody's gonna be like gary goldman's joke is ninety thousand hours long well that is a hundred jokes in 
in yeah, a joke, that, you know? That trade that Trader Joe's bit that he does, yeah. that is like nine minutes long, but it has so many jokes. He's still yeah. probably popping off three to four jokes a minute. Oh, in if, that if, not, if not double that. I mean, but that's yeah. a that's a thing. Nobody's jokes are are that long, and so if you're looking at a five minute set, do do two bits that's full of twenty thirty jokes, you know. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you're if you're doing ten minutes, do double that. But the the notion that people need to that they and that's and you know when you tie this all in together, right? When I write something, it's always longer than it's going to end up being on stage. And the various revision processes from me trimming to me performing to me revising it all, it almost always gets trimmed down from its inception, but then it's always tighter and it's better, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you start fitting that in. I I can't very often think of a time when I wrote out every thought I had about a joke and then it, and then what I wrote got longer because i missed writing something like i'll somebody may be like oh you can add to that this thought and right. that's that's different than revising and making longer like you're just adding a new joke you know what i mean yeah or a new mm-hmm. perspective but the the thing i usually wrote almost always gets trimmed down and and if you're writing smart i think that's better you know because you want to when you start writing something write every thought you have about it and then you'll see what works and uh i well, i I've been told I write short, like I need to expand to explain stuff. Even then I'm still cutting and trimming and tightening and polishing. Like it's never much longer. Are you here? Here's the thing that for me, joke writing, you never want to, you don't want to over sculpt the marble though. Like you don't want to, take out too much because then you essentially ruined the joke and granted jokes aren't like you can always add that chunk of the joke back but most of my jokes i write long and then i cut them down and down and down like the example that i think of is my pull the goalie joke Mm -hmm. where that joke when i first started telling it was two and a half minutes jesus and it wasn't even close to where it was now. Then I started cutting that joke back, started cutting that joke back, started cutting that joke back. Then it became at the longest, a 45 second joke or 45 second bit that had three jokes in it. Yeah. So about a joke every 15 seconds, uh, which you don't need to do that kind of math on when, when you're doing that no. much joke writing, but that's just, you know, what, you know, how I saw it. Um, and then after I started doing that 45 seconds for a while, well, then I started thinking up of other tags for the joke. And so I started throwing those on at the end. And now that whole bit is back up to about a minute 30, a minute 45, but that's just because I've added other jokes. And it's stronger. And it's stronger than that two and a half minute version that had one laugh in it. Exactly. Like that's that's what the joke writing revision process really. That's what it looks like for. I'm not going to go and say everybody, but for most people, like you start with something that's a little too long, you trim it down until it's the shortest it can possibly be while having its maximum funny. Because mm-hmm. I think one time I got the 
I got that pull the goalie joke down to like 15 seconds. It was a one liner, uh, but yeah. it wasn't hitting as hard. So then I, you know, bulked it up again, added the two other jokes or so. And then you can, when you tell that joke for a while, and that's just a way, like if you've been doing a joke for a while to spice it up, throw in another line. Like, ah, I had this thought about this joke the other day when I was thinking about it. Let's throw it at the end. See if it works. And if it does, great. How if it doesn't, meh, who cares? It was fun for you that night because you got to do something different. Yeah. The joke you tell me that is really funny, the God is an X, um, that isn't going to be a final jo- a full joke. It is a joke inside of a larger oh, base. Yeah, and that that's what most that's what most jokes, especially if you're doing a longer form style, that's what they are. They're just small jokes, a setup punch joke inside of a longer bit. That's, yeah. at least for me, that's, you know, in my writing, that's how I always view my jokes. I always write in these longer-ish bits. And when I say longer, I mean like minute, minute and a half, two minutes by the time that these jokes are, you know, done. Quote, unquote, done. But the, you cut and you add set up punchline jokes in this bit. Like that's, I, I just, I think it's when I realized like, that's what I was doing. That was a real game changer for me. And it helped me write a lot smarter because now I don't have any of these jokes that start off being four minute bits that I then have to cut down yeah. as much. Yeah. Are there, uh, and since we're at the performing stage, uh, this is not uh, related to David's amazing point. David, that point was amazing. Uh, this is the, our least funny episode. And I, Why do I feel like you're being sarcastic? It's, when it's, you it's said so genuine. Me. It's because you and I don't, I, I don't think you and I have ever expressed a, com, uh, a compliment that is not that joke's good. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah um, and um, yeah, yeah sorry for everybody who's listening and made it to this far with the it's not a very funny episode but i feel like there's some good advice in here and that's like really what the purpose of this episode was it was more yeah. like i said it's gonna be different and different means not funny but <laughs> usually <laughs> but um performing this is when you find out because there's a we we talk about comedies half writing half performing, and this is when you go on stage and this is when you find out when you stress a joke when you stress a line when you move your body when you don't move your body like in that baconator joke David came up to me and was like hey that first fuck you say you're stressing that too hard when later you say you don't make love you fuck you need to stress that line make that one guttural mm-hmm. and then I was like yeah you're right because that that's Again, talking about that mind thing, that's where it focuses. People say it on the punchline. And this is where this is why you need to record so you don't forget these little nuances that your body does that is funny. Yeah, and there's like small, intricate things like that that like sometimes you'll write a joke that will be kind of funny on the paper, but not really. Then you get out and you perform it and actually performing it and you put, you know, some attitude on a line or some stank. emphasis on a line, some stank on a line or whatever. Like, that's when you'll really 
you know, find that that joke works. Mm-hmm. We'd, uh, we'd uh, remember on our Q&A episode, we had somebody ask, well, I have a bunch of jokes that don't translate to stage. What's going on? And I go, because they're very funny on paper. You wrote a funny novel. Yeah, you you wrote an Onion article. That's... Uh, congrats. But you like that's the the performative aspect of like if you're gonna if you have things that are funny on paper but they're not funny on stage well find a way to make them funny on stage it's you yeah you the the performing aspect is all up to you you get to dictate you can dictate how a joke goes yeah um cam you've been real quiet for a while yeah no we're just we're we're pushing that two hour mark and i'm with you I'm with you. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're about to wrap up. Um, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's okay. No, I go have... on, go on. No, no, go on. no, go ahead. You're, you're the guest on the podcast. I want you to speak, damn it. Yeah, well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have asked me a question. I do have a question for you, uh, Cameron and David. You guys are both, like, I know the difference between, the I know when it's... Yep, one is funny, the other you is... Should really just direct this, you should really just direct this question to Cameron, because if I answer, I'm going to do what I've done this entire podcast, and I'm going to pontificate and yep. be a blowhard for 10 Cameron, minutes. Cameron, you've so. actually probably performed more on different like club stages. Um, and I, I do have this question. I know when a joke is kind of done for a bar show, right? Like, to me, a joke is not ever done. Like, that Idols joke, my first joke I ever wrote, I've been rewriting it for five years. Yeah. But it is not my focus when I go to an open mic. That's when I consider a joke, quote unquote, done, especially for a bar show. I'll do it at a low stakes show that has like very little people, or I know that I'm going to do well. And then a higher stakes, uh, like black box theater show, I will then, if it works there, then it's kind of done. I'll throw it in the back for later. Mm-hmm. But at a club, is there a, is there a jump between like backline and funny bone? I guess. I think if you I think if you if you do the things that we talked about earlier, which is if you know your voice and if you know your stuff and if you know what you're about, then no. I mean take it take that joke everywhere. Put it in your little backpack and pull it out as often as you can. I think um I again I fall back on Chris Rock's advice, which is a joke's done for me when I've done it on TV. Um and so mm-hmm. at this point in any of our careers, I think if there's ever a joke that you wrote that you like, don't stop telling it unless it doesn't, you know, I mean, if it's out, if it's outdated, if you're talking about how great it was that time you hung out with Louis CK or whatever, don't tell that joke. But yeah. if you have a joke, but if you have jokes about, you know, that were just from five years ago or with the, from when you were just starting out, I mean, if they're still true to who you are and if they're still funny, don't stop telling it, man. Like you save all that stuff up and put it in your, you know, your comedy central special when you get it. And then, then it's dead. And then you'll scramble to write, something new and you'll you know you'll take that 10 years of writing that you did to come up with your first 30 minutes uh you'll scramble to do that in a year and then maybe you've made it i don't know (laughs) um i yeah that's that's pretty much it um like to me a joke it when it becomes the uh, back focus that's when i can work on it less um david cam i got a question for both y'all Um, and that is what's a pet peeve about writing or like misconceptions about writing uh, or joke creation that bug you? 
Or just a misconception. Or just a misconception. Because I can think of a couple. I mean, there, there are a couple of times, and I've had some family members do this. They will send me something that they said that was funny in a conversation oh, yeah. with other people. And they'll be like, hey, you can use this in your act. And I'm like, I, no, I can't. I don't have a spot for it. And also, I didn't think of this. I didn't come up with it. I didn't – like, th- this This joke was funny to your coworkers, yes. But it's not going to – like, I don't find it all that funny when you're sending it to me. Why would I go, why would I go say it into a microphone? <laughs> I have gotten so many novels from cousins saying our family's really funny. And our family's funny. I get it. But I didn't come up with it, so I don't give a fuck about it. I think, and it's not that I'm gonna poo poo anything that somebody so like if another comedian gives me a tag for a joke that works, I will use that if they willingly give me that tag. That's fine. But if you're just a regular person trying to tell me a funny work story and telling me I can use that in my act, I mean, fuck off. Just go to hell? I'm sorry, that might be a little harsh, but that is probably my biggest pet peeve when it comes to just comedy in general, not even writing. Sorry, I cut you off, Cam. No, I, th- I was just going to say that I think that a bit a misconception that I think a lot of, at least for comedians, because we've been talking to comedians kind of this whole time, right? So yeah. I'll, I'll say that a misconception I think is that jokes have to be um, 100% true, or a hundred percent made up, right? Like, mm-hmm. I I really hate. I'm not a big fan of people. You know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of people telling jokes that like, um, are so fake, like that. It just it's so unbelievable. Like your story is so stupid, like stupid, or you know, oh, I was with my girlfriend and then she put her shoes on her hands. Like I don't know, something silly. You know what I mean? I can't. Yeah. Like a sandwich, fucking yeah. No, something really stupid. No, something. But but just something that's so unrealistic that like it takes you out of the moment, right? Yeah. But yeah. they they like and they... I have to write this absurdist thing unless like specifically like the extreme version of being absurdist is your thing, which I think some people do really well, right? Like Stephen Castillo does that really well. If y'all saw him perform. Yeah. His yeah. his his weirdness works for him because it does. But for the run of the mill comedian, like people will write weird stuff just for the sake of being weird. And it's just annoying. Like it's real campy. On the mm-hmm. flip side, you know, everything that you like, don't be afraid to like embellish your story a little bit if it if it makes it funnier. You know what I mean? Like because nobody cares. Yeah. I don't care if it's true. I don't care if it's fake. I just want to know if I buy it and if it's funny. Like your job is to entertain. So be entertaining, man. You mm-hmm. know, make make that do do that. Now, if you're and telling real the, the, life, the, oh, sorry, David. I was, I was gonna say just when when it comes to like when it comes to stories, especially like if somebody is presenting an absurdist thing just as an absurdist thing, that's one thing. But when it comes to somebody who's trying to tell something like it's an actual story and they're uh or a, a, and they're not using it as like a hyperbolic example make it you can go off the normal like whatever the punchline to a joke it but make it realistic yeah like make it don't make it something so obscene uh 
and hard to believe yeah. that the audience is not going to follow. It's like those fake prank videos you see on Facebook. You know what I'm talking about? Like you ever see those yeah. fake videos where it's like, okay, so like I'm going to put on this mask and I'm going to scare and she doesn't know. And it's like, you know, but it's like a dude that has like a hundred thousand followers and his whole thing is pranks. And it's like the same five people in the videos all the time. Yeah. Uh, like that's not, There's- that's not a prank. You know, I'm not falling for, like, everybody's in on you all are content creators and so you've taken yeah. me yeah. out of the moment here yeah yeah and um, that's not, that's what you you shouldn't do that like if you're and it's one of the most important things especially if you're doing the story like a story style a longer form style like fine if, if, cutting out what isn't interesting Adding things to heighten the story if it makes the joke better, but if they're realistic, that's a hard balance for people to find sometimes because, you know, sometimes you want to naturally push. So I, I yelled at Jeremy one time because he was talking about a joke he was working on and there was a, like, it just wasn't, like, it wasn't popping for him. And then he tells me this different part of the story. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the I love you joke? No, it was the, the, oh, I can't remember what that one gal. It's rather the STD or the I love you joke. Yeah, it was the STD joke. You tell me this other part of the joke and I'm like, how the fuck are you not saying that part on stage? Why are you saying this other bullshit, but you're leaving out this part? Like I, yeah, I still get a little heated at him. I don't even remember. We'll have to talk about it later because it's a personal story, but yeah. Yeah. Like if you're like, find out what needs to be there and what doesn't need to be there. Yep. But don't like, don't assume something doesn't need to be there right away. Especially if you tell that part of, if you're telling that story to people and you tell that part of the story and that's the biggest laugh you get in that story, leave it in the joke. Yeah. Like that's, I, I don't know. That, that That's a big pet peeve of mine too. When it comes to storytelling writings that people, Leave out a detail that can completely change the temperature of this joke, of this story. And then they try to add in something that's super unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, I just think people shouldn't box themselves in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you're telling realistic jokes, one thing I, I want you to avoid, don't do it like telling your buddy's story or that story to your buddies. Where it's like, hey, this one time, and then we went down here, and it's like, it's not, comedy is not like telling your bar friends a funny story. It's, it's got to flow better than that. Um, like, I can't, I can't even, like, word it. Like, it's not even something I can naturally do right now, but it's like. No, so much, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true at all. I think it can be exactly like telling your buddies stories. I think you just need to tell your buddies better stories. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. But you know what I mean? I was like, hey, man, John went on this date with this girl. And then, like, then she went in. She says she wants some kinky shit. And then she puts shoes on her hands. And it's like, you know, that kind of story. Like, yeah. those aren't fun. Like, it's fun with you and your friend. Don't tell an inside joke and hope it works. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, my pet peeve is for some reason, like, like, yeah, it, it doesn't have to, the story doesn't have to have happened to you. You can lie. That is totally something you can do. 
lie. It's fun. It's easy too. And the other one is like this idea that you have to be creating a new joke every day. No, no. Writing every day can just be working on an old joke. It could be, it could simply just be retooling stuff and making it better. Yeah, that's, you You don't need to write a new joke every time you sit down to write. Like there, I've talked in the past how, and I, I've gotten off of this kind of since the whole pandemic started, but you sit down and you set a, an amount of time for you to write. And it's not to force you to create new jokes, although you can use it for that if you want. But most of that time, I'm sitting back and I'm revisiting old jokes, especially jokes that are currently in my act, to see if there's a way that I can make them a little bit better. Yeah. So that way they stay in the act and that they are they stay continually fresh for me like you don't need you don't need to push yourself to try to write seven hours of material a year or whatever if you can do that fucking more power to you do it but otherwise just work on improving what is already good make good great i don't know that's what what was that little chuckle for there cam oh i didn't chuckle yeah no no did you sneeze no i didn't do anything nothing what's this little spike where it sounded like a puppy sneeze i think i said yeah maybe or maybe i don't know maybe i'm it's not about you david it's about our guest cameron don't worry about it don't worry about it. You're getting the two. You're doing your head there, David. Just let it breathe, baby. Dude, that's where I. That's where I fucking live constantly. Yeah. It is. It, ta- it, t- it takes me four hours to go to sleep every night. <laughs> you 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 gotta drink less coffee. No, I should. Sm- I should maybe try smoking weed. I can't. It yeah. is not, it's not like, oh, my brain's constantly going because I have so many ideas. No, I'm usually just in my head about dumb shit. And that's why I have a hard time going to sleep every night. I don't think they make any other kind of shit. It's just dumb. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. always just the dumb bullshit. Yeah. I can't wait till somebody comes out with new shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing about that good shit. And I'm I'm just waiting for it. And then and then once that fails, they can bring back shit classic, and so resell here's the joke it to that us. Fails, and then you just drop it. <laughs> what? Hold on. I thought this riff was going fine. I think it was going okay. Um, but guys, I appreciate listening and hearing from you guys, uh, and learning from you guys. I I feel like I learn a lot when I talk to y'all. Yeah, thanks for letting me hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really hope the other uh, the people who are still listening to this point felt the same way. Well, I hope you guys are playing a game or working out or doing something alongside. I'm because... t- just talking to y'all. That's it. No, I meant, I meant the people listening. No, you don't have to listen to this. Oh, I thought you, you were being hopeful for me. No, no, no. I uh, I hope you have a great day. Cameron, where can people find you? At Cameron Logston on everything, 
and uh, they can find me in 2022. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. What What is your YouTube channel? What is your YouTube channel? It's just Cameron Logston. Also, okay. I'm on Cameron Logston. I'm on you. I'm doing a lot on YouTube right now, and yeah. And I encourage people that if you love comedy, uh, support mm-hmm. creators right now and people that are adapting to the times. Don't feel like you have to rush back out. Be safe. Yeah, yeah. you don't. Comedy will still be around. Don't go out. I went again just to say goodbye to Greg because not only did he do the open mic, but he was a boss that I really enjoyed, and I just wanted to say goodbye to him. And then I got the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But don't go. <laughs> Do you, do you, do you, I mean, do you, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but do you, do you, and uh, also go watch everything that I make um, and like it and yeah. share it. I if, say you, if, if you, if you are going to go out there in this time, do be safe though, especially since it's cold and flu season and things are starting to, you know, people are going to be more susceptible to things anyway. Word, so word, just, word, 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 right. And also yeah. go to my YouTube channel and right. watch yeah, 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 yeah. everything. And right. like it and share it, yeah, yeah. and then send me positive to... comments and cash. But if I, you're I, not, I, but if you're not going to go to Cameron's YouTube channel, which you definitely should, by the way, which you definitely should, by the way, you should. Don't uh, that, the notion of not going take that out of your head. <laughs> you should download this episode so that you can hear where Cameron's YouTube thing is. You should download this episode, um, and that way you Cameron, have a constant reminder of where yeah. Cameron's YouTube page is. I get happy when I hit, see a new Cameron video. Oh, that's nice to know. It is. I get like when I saw like the minute minute news, I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do this, let's go." The, 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 those minute news things that you were doing were great, and you're also that's one thing that you've really been hammering on uh, with during this uh, during this pandemic. Uh, and I, I'm not sure is is TikTok still a thing or is yeah, it gone? TikTok is TikTok's still a thing. Okay. But I know you were doing a lot of the minute videos, and I'm not sure if that was just for TikTok, but that also works. Like you post all that stuff on into Instagram. Yeah, I put everything everywhere. Like, well, yeah. yeah, like you. But those minute videos are nice, easy to digest, and they're. I don't know the fact that you just can get, you know, so much done in a minute with a sketch is. You know, it's a good it's reminder of, the, of how long a minute is, and how yeah. if you're doing stand up on stage. I'm telling you, you can fit more jokes into your bits. So stop and wasting not worry time. about time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, stop, yeah. stop riffing. Stop like yes, crowd work's important. I sometimes throw as a transition between jokes. Fine, but don't like just focus. Focus. Keep your eye on the prize. Do your bits. All right. Yep. That's pretty much everything, Cameron. It's been a blast. Thanks, guys. And, yeah, thank uh, you for being on, man. This was uh, I I had a lot of fun. I hope you I had did, fun. I did have fun. You know, truthfully, whether it was your podcast or not, I just miss talking about comedy. So I'm glad to, I'm yeah. glad y'all are doing this. I'm glad we get to hang out. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would have had this two and a half hour conversation in a green room somewhere. Well, I'm yeah. Jamie's Jamie's going to edit this way down, which is why I'd actually like to start over right now and spend <laughs> an hour just talking about my content.